All right, well, I want to ask you to um, kind of focus your attention this morning. I felt like the Lord had a word for us about transforming revelation on the goodness of God. Before we do that, though, I want to uh, kind of lighten you up a little bit. You know, it's getting towards that uh, December time frame where we have our uh, New Year's resolutions. And so uh, this, this guy was asking the Lord, he said, Lord, I have a New Year's resolution and I want to wrap it in prayer. He said, dear Lord, this year I want a fat bank account and a slim body. Now, please, Lord, don't mix it up like you did last year. This, uh, this farmer, he's a real, real kind of down-to-earth practical guy, and he had a son who was, he's got five degrees, and he wanted to connect with his son. So his son, we're going to go camping. You need to leave all the college stuff. Come, and, and let's go camping. We're going to connect. So they're out. They set the tent up, and about 4 o'clock in the morning, father looks up, and he says, son, are you awake? He goes, son, I, I, I want to ask you what you see. He looks up, he says, sees all the stars. He goes, do you want me to talk to you about the astronomical movement of the planets? Uh, do you want me to talk about Einstein's theory of relativity? Do you, is, that what you want me, is that what you're asking me, what I see? He goes, no. He goes, well, well Dad, what do you see? Son, I, I see the stars, and I think somebody stole our tent. <laughs> All right, one more. I've told the staff this one, I think. It's like, this guy's out fishing. We got any fishermen in the house? Yeah, a couple here. Well, he's out fishing. He's 85. He's out fishing, and uh, all of a sudden, he hears this frog on the lily pad next to him. He goes, pick me up. I'll give you, kiss me, and I'll be your beautiful bride. He goes, did that frog just talk to me? He goes, say that again. He goes, pick me up, kiss me, I'll be your beautiful bride. He goes, that's awesome. He picks the frog up and he puts him in his pocket and butts him down. The frog says, no, I said, pick me up and kiss me. I'll be a beautiful bride. He goes, listen, at my age, I'd rather have a talking frog. <laughs> All right. Come on, Pat. Come on, you got to admit. Oh. <laughs> All right. All right, you have your outline. Let's take a look at uh, our outline, the transforming revelation of the goodness of God. I love the fact that the song said, God is good. Whoa, he's good. Never going to let us down. And then there's this um, taste and see that the Lord is good. Let's, um, would you open with me? Let's look at Psalm 3119. I believe if we get this revelation... It'll transform the way we think and the circumstances of life. So let me pray. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. I ask that you take the Word of God now and that you would shape it, fashion it. In Hebrews 4, it says that Word is full. I love that. Full of living power. And it's able to cut between the soulless realm and the spirit realm. God, I pray that you would cut right in and you would bring that revelation of your goodness to us this morning that we would see how good you are, that every lie, every scheme, any plan the enemy has tried to plant 
that you don't hear us, you don't love us, you don't care for us. Lord, I pray that you set us free in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's, uh, are you there? We're at Psalm 31, and let's look at verse 19. I'm going to share in both New Living Translation, the the thought-for-thought translation, and then the word-for-word translation that comes from the King James. Verse 19 says, How great is the goodness that you have stored up for those who fear you. How great is the goodness that's been stored up. Now, there's a condition there. Those who reverence you, honor you, And it goes on, it says, you lavish it. The word lavish means like overabundantly poured out. Lavish on those who come to you for protection. Blessing them before the watching world. Wouldn't it be awesome to see the goodness of God poured out on us so that the rest of mankind, your neighbors, it's like, man, what is the favor that's poured out on you? That's what he's saying is there's this condition, but he says great goodness stored. I like that that's the storehouses. In fact, if you look at the Greek, and the, it means that there's a warehouse full of stuff to be poured out. King James says this, Oh, how great is thy goodness, which thou hast laid up for them that fear thee, which thou hast wrought for them that trust thee before the sons of men. That's a good word right there. Well, let's turn a couple of pages to the left and look at Psalm 27, 13. Psalm 27, 13 says this. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. King, the New Living says it this way. Yet I am confident that I will see the Lord's goodness while I'm here in the land of the living. Are you confident? Are you confident that you're going to see the goodness of God in the land of the living? Because if you're confident, that means it's rooted in belief and trust. And so it's not like I can, you know, drum it up. It's no, no, I, I believe I'm going to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. And he will then, if we wait on him, be of good courage. Well, let's look at one more. How about Psalm 34? Turn to the right. Psalm 34, 8 says, taste and see. Psalm 34, 8, taste and see that the Lord is good. Now, in order to taste, you gotta, you got you to gotta have an action. you got to do something. So taste and see. you got to pursue. you got to ask the Lord. But you got to taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. The joys of those who take refuge. Why do you need a refuge? You need a hiding place. Because there's stuff that happens. It's a, it's a bad place out there. But the, those who fear the Lord, you his godly people, for those who fear him will have all they need. Again, that word is reverential honor, respect, believing that he's able to deliver. Let's look at the King James says, O taste and see, the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. O fear the Lord, ye his saints, for there is no want to them that fear him. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. Come, 
you children, hearken unto me. I will teach you to fear the Lord. What man is that he that desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking guile. New Living says, verse 10, Even strong lions sometimes go hungry, but those who trust in the Lord will lack no good thing. Come, my children, listen to me, and I will teach you. He's going to teach us to reverentially honor him. Does anyone want to live a life that is long and prosperous? Well, then keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn away from evil and do good. Search for peace and work to maintain it. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right. And his ears are open to their cries for help. Goes on and says, the Lord turns his face against those who do evil. And he will erase their memory from the earth. The Lord hears his people when they call to him for help, and he rescues them from all their troubles. Now, you see the difference here between those who are his and those who are not. And there's a conditional thing there about the reverential honor. But I want us to see that if we will get a hold of this revelation, this is a God thing. This is not drum it up. This is a spirit of wisdom and revelation. When we come to the transforming understanding, the revelatory revelation of God that says sovereignly, we trust that you're good. Now that doesn't mean that you always see what's good. You would not necessarily call some of the things that happen to you good, good. But it says in Romans 8, all things work together for good to those who love him and are called to his purpose. So there's this circumstance, it's like, If you're dealt a hand, whatever you're walking in, I don't know what hands you're playing right now, but God has got it. You got this hand. You've been given these cards. And some of them, man, that that doesn't work good for whatever card game. Let me discard this. Fear, rejection, doubt, unbelief. Let Let me drop those and let me get the wild cards that the Lord gives me. So this is this place where we want to see the the transforming power of the goodness of God. Well, let me, um, would you agree that many people are feeling pretty helpless and hopeless right now? In fact, I saw a statistic, in in fact, last night on uh, Fox News, they they had put out a statistic that since this election has gone for so long and it's been so divisive, there's actually a depression or despair that's over the country right now. They can see it tangibly in the workforce. And so they were talking about maybe we ought to put some rules around not sharing your candidate's choice or this. It's, I guess it hasn't been good at the coffee pot around the certain places. But it says many people are feeling hopeless and fearful. The negativity and they, the social media, in fact, they, they are starting to relate that the reason the suicide rate, the anxiety medications, the Xanax, all of those things, there's a reason that this, this is a generation that has been so bombarded with social media that they say now that in one year's lifetime, you may have 40 years from prior generations of negativity and stuff that's been bombarded at you and your family. That's why depression, sadness, despair, discouragement, suicide, the levels are all up. Why? I mean, because you go on social media, you get bombarded. This terrorist act, and this one was murdered here, and this was like, like, please. 
So it's no, no surprise that the people of God need to have the goodness of God in the land of the living so we can be a light. Oh, let your light shine before men. Right? So this is, let's take a look at the first paragraph here. The true and deep revelation. I'm, I'm talking a, I'm asking you to pray this week. God, I want to know in my knower the goodness of God. I want to know that for myself. I want to deal with any issues where I, I've tried to look at circumstances and I, and I couldn't see the goodness in it. But you know what? I'm going to believe that you're going to work all things together for good. That revelation that he's a good shepherd. He's a good shepherd. He said it in John 10.10, 10, I am the good shepherd. Let's turn there. John 10. John writes this, and it is good that he has come. John 10.10. 10. And let's look at verse 11. Well, let's move up to... Let's look at verse 8. All who came before me were thieves and robbers, but the true sheep did not listen to them. That's good. Are you a true sheep? Yeah, amen. Yes, I am the gate, and those who come in through me will be saved. This is that narrow gate we dealt with last week. There's only a narrow way. We dealt with in, in uh, it was really powerful on uh, Wednesday night. We dealt with Luke 13. You might want to read that. It says, I am the narrow gate. And so it says, and he says here again, I am the narrow gate, and they will come and go freely and find good pasture. The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy, but my purpose is to give them rich and satisfying life. King James says, I am the door. By me, if any man can enter in, he shall be saved. And he shall go in and go out and find pasture. The thief came to steal and to kill, to destroy. I have come. I'm so glad he came. I have come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. That's overflowing goodness of God. He says, I'm a good shepherd. Verse 11, I am. I love the, the I am. The I, is he your I am? I am the good shepherd, and I know my own sheep, he says in verse 14. I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand won't do that. When the wolf, wolf attacks, he, he bugs. He's out of here. The hired hand runs away. Verse 14, I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and they know me. Let's read on. It says in that paragraph, When the good shepherd has come to give life in all of its fullness, it releases an infectious hope. It's infecting. This transforms every way we see and respond to life situations. Hope is what compels us to trust and persevere. Infectious hope is one that never gives up in believing that God is good and his plan for us is good. Jeremiah 29, 11, right? He says, I know the plans I have for you. Amen. They're plans for good, not for harm. That when you seek me with your whole face, with your whole heart, then you will find me and I will destroy the works of iniquity and I will restore your fortunes. 
He says that in Romans. He goes on. We've already shared. So this is that promise. He says, I've got a hope for you. You got to do your part. Now, a hope for every situation that believes and looks for the possible that is known to exist in what I see as impossible. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says it this way. We walk by faith and not by sight. So let me ask you right now, what are you walking in that seems pretty impossible, pretty difficult, that you need to have faith to see the Lord move that mountain? See, a hopeful person, going on in that paragraph, a hopeful person has tremendous influence because they carry an atmosphere of kingdom value. You know, anybody can look at a situation and, you know, go cranking and complaining about it, which we're really often good at, I repent, calling those things that are as though they are, you know, it's like, that's not faith, supposed to call those things that be not as though they were, right, as we says in Romans, right, Nancy, Romans uh, 4.17, right, amen, calling those things that be not as though they were. See, a person with great hope carries an atmosphere. You get around people that are really, really negative and, and insert some hope. Pretty soon they're going to be asking you for prayer, or at least at some point they will come and say, why is it that you don't despair? In every situation, relying on faith to see the goodness in the land of the living. Psalm 27, 13, we read that. A deep revelation in your heart that the Lord is your shepherd. Why does it often come? I was kind of meditating on this. Why does that revelation of the goodness of God often come when we walk through the valley or the shadow of death? He ends up being your hope. When it's really dark and the shadows are there, it's like, God, if you've ever walked with some saints who have been some, through some stuff, I often share my grandmother, Mildred Hauser. She was one of those ladies. She just uh, lived through world wars, depressions, divorce, death of her husband, raised her kids, my dad and my, my aunt by herself, worked until she was in her 70s. And I'd come and I'd tell her about, I'd have this broken heart over some little girl in the school, and I'd have this issue and that issue. She said, Tommy, it's going to be all right. You're going to make it. But Grandma, but Grandma, you're going to be all right. And uh, I think Miss Addie has taken over that place. Every once in a while, Miss Addie, you go pray for me. Pastor, it's going to be all right. You're going to make it, Pastor. You sure, Miss Addie? Lord have mercy. Everybody needs a Miss Addie, amen? Or a grandma. Somebody that's going to stand with you that's going to say, look, it's going to be all right. But I don't know what it is. When we walk through the valley of the shadow, David knew this. Let's, uh, let's, uh, let me share something with you. This kind of caught my eye. You guys have heard of uh, Michael Phelps, right? In fact, anybody know what he did? He's a swimmer. In fact, he is the most decorated Olympic athlete ever in the history. Ever. 28 Olympic medals, of which 23 of them are gold. No one in the history. But listen to his story. 
He almost committed suicide before the last Olympics. Now, here's a guy, you know, if you don't have an identity in Christ, you're going to be in a place. Eventually, the enemy's going to work on you or the situations of life. You're going to get to a place where the Lord's going to try to pull you in. The American swimmer Michael Phelps, the most decorated Olympic athlete of all time, revealed that he was suffering a crisis of identity two years ago. He considered ending his life, but it was the Saddleback Church, Pastor Rick Warren's book, The Purpose Driven Life, that gave him new hope. Phelps was struggling as a figure. He didn't know who he was outside of the pool. His whole identity was wrapped up from a, lot, a little child as being somebody who could swim, and that's where the notoriety came. That's where his identity came. Phelps was struggling to figure out who he was. It led him to heavy drinking and wondered whether life was worth living. I thought the world would just be a better place without me, Phelps admitted. I figured out it was the best thing. I just end my life. Before the Summer Olympic Games in Rio, he shared from his, an interview with NBC. He had a DUI arrest in 2014 that led him into a downward spiral that left him feeling lower than he'd ever been feeling before. When he got his, this was his second DUI in 10 years, which along with numerous splintered relationships prompted him to seek outside help. Phelps found hope. He went to actually a, a, a trauma unit and a treatment facility in Arizona. He entered the Meadows, an addiction treatment center in Arizona. There, Phelps turned to Warren's bestseller, The Purpose Driven Life, which lifted him up, and it got to the point where they called him Preacher Mike. The fellow patients would come and ask him, and he would quote things. And that's where he found his identity in Christ. Now, you wonder why he's now the most decorated. He's got a, got a testimony, right? Testimony. But that also tells us that, look, it doesn't matter how popular and how successful you are. If you don't have Christ, you're going to end up in a miserable state. And your identity, it's not going to be the glit and the glatter. It's not going to be all the stuff. It's going to be him and him only. In fact, that's why we've got to know the goodness of God. So look at that middle of my hand out there. I saw this. It says, see, the revealed goodness opens us up to true identity. Three questions. Who am I? I'm his. Once you know that you're his, that will settle a whole lot of stuff in your heart. If you know that he's your papa, if you got a good papa, you better not mess with the kids. He's not a deadbeat dad. We just read about him run to the refuge place. You call to me. My eyes and my ears are wide open to your needs. Now, you better fear and reverence Reverence the and honor the father because a dishonoring child ends up getting disciplined. But he still loves you. You may wander off in the pig pen to life for a while, but when you come to your senses and you come back to Papa's house, you don't become a servant. You get the ring, the robe, and the slippers, right? That's the, that's the reality of this. And so he's a good daddy. The issue's us. But once we come to that, who am I? I'm his. Oh, the devil hates that. But then the next part of this, that's great. But what? It's like, Phelps, well, then who am I to please? Why don't you please the shepherd? If you will please him. 
When you have that hard attitude, I'm yours, Papa. No. So what do you want to do today? What are we going to do? What are we going to do next year? What are, my, what are my divine assignments next year? How are we going to approach this thing? What would please you? What, what activities would you like from me? And then that assignment, what am I to do? It's my mission. Carry your cross and reveal his life. Real simple. Carry his cross. Take up your cross tomorrow. Tomorrow's issues. Remember, we, we prayed at the altar here. If you're trying to carry tomorrow's issues today, it, you don't get revelation for that. You don't get grace for that. Sufficient is today's evil. So d- deal with your stuff. That's why it says take up your cross daily and follow me. So once you got your cross and you go, okay, I'm going to crucify this old character. He needs to stay dead, right? Nail him to the cross. Nail your passions and all the things that are not of him. Nail him to the cross today. And then tomorrow, pick up your cross. Say, Papa, what are we going to do today? What's the mission? My mission is to please you. I saw this this week. Let's turn to Psalm 27. I thought this was really just a great revelation of what David writes here. Psalm 27. It's a short one, 14 verses. Let me, but I'd like you to see this. I've kind of outlined them, and it's the A, B, C, D, and E there. Look at the first three. This is like, if you want to get to see the goodness of God, there's a precursor to the other steps of God. One is absolute trust. Look what David writes. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Boy, that's, he's the light of the Lord, but he's also my salvation. So whom shall I be afraid of? You, you can't fear. Bill Johnson taught a, at the Voice of the Apostles last week. He, he taught on, it's, uh, you can't be afraid. You're not allowed to be afraid. If God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind, then here David says, if the Lord's my light and my salvation, why should I be afraid? If the Lord is the strength of my life, then whom shall I be afraid of? When the wicked, even my enemies and my foes come, to eat my flesh. Whoa, that, yipes. That like sounds like zombies and stuff, right? Come on, David. They stumbled and fell. Though a host should encamp against me, a host, my heart shall not fear. Now, I don't know about you. If you're surrounded, <laughs> though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. You see the goodness? He knows the goodness of God. He says, look, I, who am I going to be afraid of? That's the kind of character that goes up against Goliaths. It's the same guy like Jonathan who takes the armor bearer in Samuel, right? says, hey, I think we can take them. Let's go up the hill. And if they stand up and say, come on up here, we'll know they're ours. That's crazy thoughts. He goes up and they, 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 these guys had something about their identity in Christ and their identity in the Lord and their revelation of who they were made them great warriors, So you see that? It says absolute trust, one through three. Well, let's take a look at four through six. The extreme value of his presence. I want you to see, first there was this trust. Second, they valued the presence. That's why voyage and the burn and our worship has to value the presence of God. We must value his presence. In his presence is fullness of joy. Well, let's look at this. Look, look at verse 4 through 6. It says, One thing, one thing I have desired of the Lord that I will seek after. I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life 
to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, I, he shall abide in his pavilion. He'll hide me there. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me and shall set me upon the rock. And now shall my head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me. Therefore I will offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. See, David knew about the presence. He sat on the backside of the mountain and he played and he sang and he, that was where he cultivated his presence. He cultivated the presence of God and he never lost that. That's why when, when Saul made him his armor bearer and he played the harp, the tormenting demonic realm that was on Saul couldn't operate. That presence, can't, it chases demons away. That presence brings that revelation. That's why we seek the presence. Come on, we gotta have that presence. That's why cultivate that every day. Go home, turn on your worship, lay on the, just get in that presence, sit in the backyard, just listen to the bird, get in. I wanna be in your presence. Get up at three in the morning and, and seek after him, right? Let's look at the next one. It says, his own, his own devotion to our obedience. Look at how he responds, verse seven, how the Lord responds to an obedient heart. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy upon me. Answer me. When thou said, seek my face. We see, we sang that song this morning. Seek my face in my heart. It said, thy face will I seek, O God. Hide not thy face far from me, and put not thy servant away in anger. Thou hast been my help. Leave me not. Neither forsake me, O God, of my salvation. How can the Lord turn away from that? David is like, when he's, I, I want to be obedient, I trust you, I, I, I have this absolute trust in you, I seek your face, and now don't turn away. In my obedience, I seek you, God. And in that seeking, God says, the eyes of the Lord seek to and fro in the earth, looking for someone he can show himself strong in. Who's he going to show himself strong? It's the one crying out, God, I love you. It's your presence that we seek. David knew something here. He says, how about the unveiled secret of his strength? Look at verse 11. This is a secret. David knew this secret. It says, when my, verse 10, it says, when my father and mother forsake me, you, then the Lord will take me up. Teach me thy way, O Lord. Lead me in a plain path. That'd be good. A nice plain path laid out for me. It says, the steps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord. Seek first and trust in him. He'll, he'll direct your pathway, it says in Proverbs. Three, five, and six. So teach me your way, O oh God. You gotta be teachable. We have to be teachable. Lord, lead me in my plain path because of my enemies. Deliver me not unto the will of my enemies where false witnesses have risen up against me and they breathe out their cruelty. He says, this devoted trust in God. And then this is the outcome. This is the fruit of this trust Extreme value of the presence, the devotion, the unveiled secrecy of knowing that he is God. Here's what happens. If I had fainted, unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Do you believe it? Come on, check your attitude right now. When you get in a place where you're struggling and there's like, I'm passing through the valley, it's dark here, there's, 
Lord, I, I know what the rest of the psalm says. You're going to lead me to green pastures. You're going to take me through to the living water. You are the one. And now I'm passing through this valley. It's, it's just temporary. It's just temporary. Because I believe and I'm not going to faint. I'm going to soldier on. I believe that was the word Jonathan gave in this morning. He pointed out, it said 2 Timothy 2. He says, soldier on. This is that place. Good soldiers persevere. They recognize that this is what I'm called to do. I've got to soldier on through this thing because i got a hope. i got a hope that is unshakable. I'm not going to faint in this, God. Now, let's balance this. Number two, it says, God's goodness and his glory. You become like what you worship. N.T. Wright, as an author, he writes this. He goes, when you gaze in awe, admiration, and wonder at something or someone, you begin to take on something of the character of the object of your worship. When you continue to focus on the wonder and the awestruck beauty, it could be a sunset. It could be a rainbow. It could be a little child. It could be a flower. It could be something. It could be a music, a song that's like, oh, God, I just worship you. You start to take on the value, the very character and the nature of that which you honor and worship. Taste and see the Lord is good. Number four, it says the fruit of the revealed goodness. Look at this. It says, once we have that fruit, it starts to, to manifest in our life. He's got, hey, I don't know what's going on right now, but I just know God's good. He's good. Whoa, whoa, whoa. he's good all the time. He's never going to let me down. Never going to let me down, Lord. We're more convinced of his worth than our unworthiness. That's what I was sensing this morning. There's this, sometimes we carry this baggage around of my unworthiness, all my failures, my brokenness, the woulda, coulda, shouldas, my guilt, my shame. Pastor, you have no idea. Oh, please. We got to get to a place where that wheelbarrow gets tipped over, the rocks go out, and his burden and that, your shame and your guilt, you can walk right in. He says in Colossians, you can walk right into the throne. I want you to get a vision for that. You see the Father and the Son. He's seated at the right hand, and he calls your name, and you can come and sit on his lap without fear of judgment. Man, that ought to do something to you. It's got to do something on the inside because that says, I'm not guilty, I'm not shamed. The blood of Jesus handled all my stuff. And if I'm not guilty and I'm not shamed, then I feel real good. I feel good. Right? James Brown. I don't know if that's good, but anyway, I'm feeling good. It's like we're more convinced of his worth than our unworthiness. Number B, his ability overcomes what we see as our abilities and fear of failure. He's big. I'm little, but I can do it. It's like, get that picture. It's like, I remember when my, my son was little. I used to take his hand, right? He's like, my daddy's big. He's t- Y'all see my daddy's muscles. I'm like, okay, I'm big in his eyes. That's, what, that's the picture you ought to have. You got daddy's hand, and he's big, and he's awesome. Once we get that, it's like my unworthiness and my inabilities. Come on, get out of the way. Let's do this thing, Lord. That's what draws us into places that are just like, really, God? (laughs) I got to stop here. I got this call from Abednego. 
Things have blown up since his surgery to remove his brain tumor. He's got a full bill of health in India, and they went. This is how the goodness of God. I, I got to tell you, I was discouraged a few years ago. Our elders were killed. The, uh, we had two of our elders killed in Orissa in northern India. We had the Hindus rise up. They killed like 400 Christians. They wiped out. It was like a mess. Well, God showed up in the middle of that. He blinded the Hindus. They, they spared our pastor's life. Well, guess what? When it, there were 20-some-odd children that were orphaned as a result of that atrocity. Well, they then came because we were there. Abednego and his team was there. They came to Bible school four years ago. These are young men, 17, 18, 19, who were the survivors of that. And they said, we want to be, because we heard of what God has done, we want to be ministers of the gospel. Well, they graduated two years ago. Abednego, we did, my wife and I sat back there. We did a graduation by remote control. We blessed them, sent them out. Abednego said, go out there, go back to the forest area of Arissa, plant churches. When you get 35 believers, call us. We'll come and we'll plant the church. Eight of those 10 men who came, young men, planted churches. They have more than 35 believers. I'm telling you what, we're going to go there, and we're going to take a, a mission team probably there in March to India first, and, then, and they said, we got more churches. Papa, you got to come. we got, we got ribbons to cut. we got churches to plant. They just planted the 80th church in India. Now listen as it gets better. We haven't increased any funding. Thank God that you all give. We, we care for 111 orphans now, but they just planted these 20 churches. They are all self-funded, and the orphanage, the orphanage of that area because of the outreach there, they just self-funded 20 orphans. So this is, this is, these are not rice Christians. These are ones that are saying, thank you. We, we take care of some of the base costs. And we have the two orphanages down by Machili Putnam. We have the boys' home and the girls' home. And our mamas are there. But God is graduate about. We're going to go. We're going to march. We're going to graduate the next batch. And what's happening is they're going. We, we, we sent 16 women last year back to Andhra Pradesh who graduated with their degrees. God is just moving. And then, yes, last night, Pastor Prem called me. 102 churches plus four house churches in Nepal. We've, we've got seven girls in Bible college. Some of them are in their advanced degrees. This doesn't happen in their culture. So it, it is just, it, wow. So pray about, as we do our angel trees and we do our outreaches, Think about the orphans as a, just a Christmas gift, just something we want to give them like $10 each. All of our 111 plus, we want to, I guess 20, it's 131, 111 we're caring for, 20 the church. The network, remember when uh, Jamie Galloway, this is off the track and I'm beyond my time, but it's good. Um, Jamie Galloway came here and he prophesied that the GRC, the Global River Network, was expanding. It's blowing my mind. 204 churches now. Four orphanages, the seminary. God, that, this is where the goodness of God, this is where last week I said, you give your little yes, and God gives a big yes. It's not my ability, it's not my, it's, and I can't focus on my inability. God is able to take this little lunch that you provide to care for these children, and, those, and guess what? There are now thousands and thousands of believers that are coming into the kingdom. Over 50,000 have come to Christ since and joined the network and part of our churches since the earthquake on April 25th a year ago in Nepal. Come on. I mean, it, it just blows my mind. And the fact that we don't, they're now self-funded, that's, that's good. 
That fruit of the goodness of God. Now, number five, let me balance this and then I'll finish. Number five here, don't let us misunderstand the goodness of God. We can't do whatever we want and expect God to bless us. That's the rest of the story. God is a father who shepherds his flock with discipline and righteous judgment. We are not free from tribulation or trial. Anybody been through that? He does not always respond to our prayers in the way or timing. This I told you, this has probably been, the last 12 months have been the hardest of my ministry, the last 18 years. Cancer, melanoma, Ginny's father died, my brother died, many of you have been through, we've been through some stuff. The spiritual warfare has been tense, but I would trade any of that, any of that to see the kingdom advance as it's going. And so... God is good. He's always good. And when we walk through those valleys, we learn something about the time that he carried us through the valleys. But let's not be mistaken. You don't get to do whatever you want. And I listed a number of scriptures there about tribulation and trials and the proving of your faith, the testing of your faith. James and Peter, Isaiah, they all say it. His, way, his ways in Isaiah 55, his ways are not our ways. His ways are higher than our ways. And there may be times like, God, I don't believe you're doing that. I shared with you last week when that earthquake hit and we had over 215 of our believers, pastors I had laid hands on who died. The whole congregation died when the church fell on them. I had an issue with that. I said, God, I don't know. What about Psalm 91, God? And what a, He goes, do you think they're okay, Pastor Tom? Well, yeah, but no buts. Now watch what I do with this. Why don't you get your hand on the plow and start doing What do you got in your hand? Well, we got this, we got that, and we start sending the teams out, and now God has brought in maybe 50,000 more believers. Come on. Come on. I, I, I'm preaching to myself. I, I, you know, it's like, oh, God, oh, God. It's like, Tom, please. I feel like Joshua after the battle of Ai. You, Joshua, you need to get up off the floor. You got 31 battles to fight against kings. I'm just, I'm just being transparent. I just, you know, I'm no different than y'all. Number six, our world is now filled with more negativity and revealed fear than any other time in history due to social media, suicide, depression, despair, addictions. They need to be overcome by God's people bringing hope in a hopeless world to every circumstance and situation. That's y'all. Why don't you stand to your feet and let's, let's just ask the Lord that he give us a revelation, an impartation that we absolutely, this might be good. Just go study the scriptures on the goodness of God. Just maybe grab one of those. Put it right on the dashboard of your car so all week, well, don't get distracted. Put it on your refrigerator or somewhere where you sit in the morning where you do your worship and just meditate on the goodness of God, that he is good. His mercy endures. In fact, it says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. In fact, it means jump on you and track you is what it literally means. The goodness and the mercy and the favor of God are going to jump on you. But you got to sometimes slow down and let it catch up. So, Lord, I pray. Let's just pray. Lord, we just come and God, I thank you that your faithfulness that the people of God ought to be the people of the greatest hope. 
It's all going to be okay, regardless of how this works, regardless of who wins the election, it's going to be okay. Regardless of whether your candidate wins or the Senate fails, and blah, 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 God is good. And when it's all said and done, we're going to be with Him forever. And then your eye will not be able to understand what you see. Your ear will not believe what you're hearing. But it's going to be so, so good. And God, we thank you for that revelation, God. Now let's walk out of here. I commission these soldiers to carry this goodness in the land of the living. And everyone who speaks negativity, let them come alongside. Oh, honey, let me pray for you. Lord, I thank you. Tomorrow at the workplace, regardless of what goes on, God, we thank you that we are a people of tremendous hope and faith. And we give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.